Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. My guest today is a familiar name to the podcast. Paul DeChant is a friend of mine that I love to stay in touch with as he continues to work to improve the healthcare workplace. While Paul has retired from his CEO role for several years now, he continues to be an influencer and a lifelong learner. Some of the things we discuss in this interview include tips for empowering others as a leader, continuously developing himself, advice for new physicians, and the power of the daily huddle. We also have fun talking about the last thing that he Googled. I value Paul's wisdom, and I'm glad he's come back for a third time to the Uncommon Leader Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. Paul, it's great to have you back on the Uncommon Leader Podcast, my first three-time guest. So I'm going to start I'm going to start referring to you as my Joan Rivers. I'll be Johnny Carson and you be Joan Rivers. Did you know she was the most she was the guest who appeared the most on Johnny Carson over his time? You know, I don't know that I knew that, but I do know that Saturday Night Live has this tradition where if you're a five-time host, you get a robe. So I'll be expecting that soon in the mail. I can't wait. I I I remember that now. Okay, we're going to go for the robe. That is going to be what we're shooting for, Paul. Well, this is number three, so I don't know what you're going to get for number three. Number one gets a pen. Number two, I forget if I gave you anything on number two back in 2021. We did this. But number three, you'll get a nice gift out of this as well. So I appreciate you investing some of your time with the listeners, again, of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. You've been a, a great guest before, and I know our conversation today is going to be pretty cool as well. So I won't ask you the same first question. I always ask others. I'll just ask you a new one. And it's something that kind of was going through you know, really my heart in terms of trying to define this word uncommon with regards to the Uncommon Leader podcast. So when you hear that term, uncommon leader, what are some of the things that come to your mind with regards to what that means to you when you hear it? Oh, well, the first thing is that it's essentially that a concept of humble leadership or servant leadership, because it is uncommon. It's talked about a lot but it actually isn't in place very commonly. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Certainly in healthcare, you know, you're trying to manage these brilliant knowledge workers who deserve autonomy to do the work that they do well. And we can talk a lot about all that goes into being a knowledge worker, but but to you can't manage people like that top-down command and control. And yet as organizations get larger, the thought of 300 or 500 or 1,000 doctors all working autonomously to make improvements the way they want to would scare a leader. Certainly it scared me as a CEO, the thought of the chaos that could come from that. So it becomes very tempting to be top down. But in reality, that constrains the ability of the potential of the organization. And so we need to find a way to honor that empowerment that for that autonomy, for those brilliant knowledge workers, and at the same time, align everyone around the common goals of the organization. And that takes time to build that management system, that structure, that culture. But as you do that, then it really flourishes. Now, that's so, Paul, I love that first starting off right off the bat, the humble and the servant leadership would identify an uncommon leader. And as you bring that back in terms of those leaders who have the ability to empower and align, okay, align a large group of people toward a common goal, empower people in a systematic way to solve problems on their own, to make things successful because the leader can't do all those things on their own. Now, there's a couple of questions I could spin off of that one right off the bat. And you think about that from a leader's perspective, okay, especially in healthcare. We don't generally teach that in medical school, how to be the leader of a 500,000 physician organization. A lot of the times you look at the leaders of these organizations, the CEOs, 
They're physicians. You are a physician. You are a CEO of the organization. How did you learn how to be an empowering leader and aligning people to the goals? What are some pragmatic tips for folks who are trying to learn how to empower others? Well, they don't even teach that in regular MBA programs in general business schools. This is not something just unique to physicians not learning it. Physicians don't learn the, the, all the technical aspects of business management, but in most MBA programs, don't, you know, they're much more oriented towards, you know, management by objectives, which really gets down to much more top-down command and control. So it's a challenge for every leader in a healthcare organization. For, for physicians, I, I think for me, what I found was as a practicing physician, I, I just knew something was not right with the way my clinic was running. I spoke up to try to fix it. And that's what got me into leadership roles. And that, but I, I stumbled around a lot trying to learn how to do it properly. It was really when, when I learned, when I started working in the lean context and thinking, okay, we can build a strategy and from that strategy, build the mechanisms by which to deploy that strategy that are starting with that principle of respect for people first, and then get into the specifics of process improvement that I really saw that, but it takes, it, it's it's so rare. Most, most leadership programs, it's changing, but it certainly historically have not started with respect for people as the guiding principle. It's either maximizing shareholder value or improving productivity or some other aspect than understanding what's really crucial to the success of an enterprise, particularly one that's really people-based. Well, you'd certainly think of, again, your first response with regards to humble and servant leadership. And if you have an organization that is focused only on the bottom line or that maximizing with shareholder value, it absolutely will drive behaviors that aren't in alignment with that term uncommon leadership, with that term humble and servant. And the idea behind respect for people, you mentioned the lean context as well. So you know, when being introduced to a framework that provides at least some guideposts, maybe a little bit of a roadmap for individuals to follow, to, to go down that journey. What were other things that you did to develop your own leadership skills then that folks could learn from to, because, yeah. because you didn't learn those in MBA school or in med school? Yeah. Um, I might have to think about that one in a minute. As I do, I want to just touch again on the concept of humbler servant leadership, because uh, certainly I, when I first heard them, they resonated with me, but I also thought, well, if you're just a servant or you're just humble, then people can run all over you. And too often, I think the people who don't trust that term only listen to the first word in the term. They don't listen to the second word, which is leadership. And if you're going to be effective as a humbler servant leader, you have to be a leader. You have to, as the leader, you're setting the vision for the organization or you're collectively bringing together people who will set that vision for the organization. As that vision becomes more explicit and gets translated into a mission and values, those have to become touchstones that are referred to and become the foundation of your work on a daily basis. Uh, when if, if all you've got is a vision, mission statement and a values statement that are on a wall somewhere, but they're not living, then that leadership is going to fail. And what we end up with then is management instead of leadership. Mm. And you can manage processes, but, you know, even while we, I like to think that doctors are, you know, amazing knowledge workers and, and should be empowered. Honestly, every single person who's working in almost every industry has knowledge, unique knowledge that they bring and an ability to solve problems on a daily and otherwise regular basis that's absolutely vital to both the organization's success 
and to their own personal development. Oh, I, I so appreciate that. And again, we're talking framework as you go mission, vision, values. But if they're just a poster on the wall and you're not living those things, you're not setting the expectation and you're not living those and modeling those behaviors, then you're exactly right. They just end up being wallpaper. On a yeah. Wall. And, you know, I came, as, so thinking more about, you know, what about the leadership? How did I learn that? That took me time. I, I, I wished in my career I had had thought about the leadership side of it more at first. I think particularly working in, you know, in medical groups with colleagues who were physicians, as I started as a frontline clinician and then gradually moved into leadership roles, I always thought, well, I'm, you know, every everybody in the organization is a doctor. We've all gone through the same grueling training to get the skill set we need. We have mutual respect for each other. Who am I to tell somebody else how to do their job? But in fact, those of us who end up in leadership roles, particularly if we're doing it for the right reason, we do have a unique perspective that most others don't. It took me a long time to realize that I was a systems thinker where most physicians really aren't at the same level. It just came to me naturally. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't utilize the power of that as much. I didn't feel as though my vision was one that was unique enough that I should be promoting it more actively with my colleagues. And in retrospect, as I look back, I think that's an opportunity that I missed. I could have done more effectively had I really been more willing to step up and and put that forward. It wasn't really till I was in my CEO role after, you know, 20 years of other management roles that I it came to realize the potential of that. The power of it, right? No, yeah. and again, you you just wrote about it in September and I I I always encourage I love reading when you put those out. I always encourage you to write more. That's a that's a story. I want you to put a pin in that for a minute with regards to the recognition because I'm going to come back to it in terms of an, another question I have. But I want to I want to stay on that because it I always have fun. You know the the rhetorical question: Are leaders born or are they made? And as a physician, we all know, of course, leaders are born. I mean, all of us are born as human beings, and that that is somewhat facetious when I say that. But but leaders are made, and that leaders can develop those skills that they need. Sometimes in healthcare, and not just again, not exclusive to healthcare, the best physician or the best supervisor may be thrown into the next leadership role without the training. And often people wonder why did they fail? They were such a good supervisor. Why didn't they make a good manager? Why didn't they make a good leader? Why didn't they make a good vice president or a CEO? And it is those things that if you go in and you have the, a lot of times in industry, the ability to develop that skill on your own, if you don't have the support from others to make that happen, then you know you can muscle your way through it. But it's certainly a much better environment that you talk about with regards to empowering people, equipping them, and inspiring them to you know move toward that mission and make that happen can be really powerful. So I think that's an, in- an interesting point to think about. So you've been out of the direct leadership role for quite some time, but you're staying very active in the space. You're an author of Preventing Physician Burnout. We talked a little bit before the start of recording the episode about you know the potential for another book coming out afterward post-COVID, and I hope to see that at some point in the future. What are some other interesting things you're working on right now, Paul? I mean, we haven't talked for almost 18 months. What, what have you been doing the last 18 months? Yeah, so I've been a number of things. I've been getting involved more in giving keynote speeches to help kind of spread these concepts to larger audiences. I really enjoy doing that. If anybody's looking for a speaker, 
feel free to reach out to me. Also working with a couple of clients, and that's been very interesting work, particularly in this world of now very constrained environment. You know, we're constrained with staffing and we're constrained with finance. And so with this one large medical group we were working with, we went in with the intent of actually reducing burnout by fixing the workplace. The thought was, let's let's redesign workflows using the lean value stream approach to do that. We tried to find an office in which to start that work, and all of them were so understaffed that they couldn't really afford the, the staff to do that. So we've pivoted and switched to, to launching daily huddles because they're lower impact, but they can still help. And those took off like wildfire. We, you know, we had a week design session and then we created standard work for it. And then as it's worked in one, the first location we did it in, one of the front desk staff came to the manager later that week and said, you know, I was ready to quit and go to some other organization. But all of a sudden people seem like they're listening to me here and I think I want to stick around. And that that impact on turnover was significant and it has spread. And now we've spread spread to 95 locations in this one organization. Wow. And it's it really took off faster than we thought. We thought within the first four months, we'd have six locations up and running. We ended up with 14, and then it accelerated from there. So the, the, and the power of that daily huddle made, has huge improvement. In fact, this, this organization monitored the American Medical Group provider, uh, American, American Medical Group Association's Provider Satisfaction Survey, and it improved in absolute terms on every single one of the eight dimensions that they follow. It improved on a per, on a, uh, what is, I just lost it, a percentile basis on every on almost all of those, and particularly on burnout. Even though we weren't doing things like resilience training or stuff like that, the burnout improved dramatically on a real time basis and went from the eighth percentile to the sixty second percentile. On the on a percentile ranking compared to their cohort, that's huge. Um, yeah, oh, it's amazing, and that's just the first year of getting started. Really, kind of shoestring. So we're looking forward to further work there with them. And and it's been you know anytime you're introducing change of that scope, it's got there's a lot of challenge in all that. You know, we worked through tremendous. As much as there was a lot of pull, there was also a lot of push. And working through all that, um, it's been gratifying to see it work that well. So the other work that we've been involved in is working with five independent safety net hospitals in New York City. This has been grant funded, supported by the Greater New York Hospital Association with a focus on connecting senior leaders with frontline clinicians. And it's been a lighter touch than the in-depth work we did with this other medical group. But And we've been on site like four times with group meetings, but also on a monthly basis, doing some leadership development work, creating CEO clinician councils where the CEOs actually talk directly to frontline clinicians and encouraging shadowing. So uh, senior leaders are shadowing clinicians while they're working. And those opportunities for senior leaders to get that glimpse into the world they rarely see, which is the actual challenges of the real-time operations, has been invaluable for them. And it's also engendered a different a, a culture change in terms of frontline clinicians seeing benefits from that work. It's interesting. We measure. We use the Maslach Burnout Inventory to measure burnout between the, those two times. And if anything, because for two reasons: one, it was a lighter touch, and secondly, it's only one aspect of things that drive burnout. And so we didn't see improvement in in most of those organizations. 
But during this past year that we've been doing this work, we've also seen significant changes in staffing shortages, in financial challenges. One of the organizations had a, a cyber attack that, that paralyzed them, didn't paralyze them, they recovered well, but it stressed the organization for a couple of months. There's bureaucratic challenges that they faced being involved with some larger systems they're in. And then a growth in violence that people are experiencing mm-hmm. in emergency rooms and the rest of their health systems that have all really driven th- these other external drivers of burnout that are so significant that they can overwhelm work that you're doing otherwise. Things would likely only be worse if that's, if we hadn't done that work. And the, the organization that had the best kind of connected culture to start with actually did see improvement. Most of the others probably saw less deterioration than they would have considering the onslaught of stuff that is coming at particularly these safety net hospitals where they're very resource constrained to start with and they're working in very difficult socioeconomic conditions in communities. Oh, you're you're busy. I thought you were retired. <laughs> sort of retired. Passion. You're just retired this from is, the operations this, side, right? This is this is passion project, you know. Hey, brother, it's so important. You know, I'm reading a book right now called Strength to Strength. And I don't know if you've heard of that book or not, but that may be your gift for appearing for the third time on the podcast, because it really feels like what you just talked about, where we move from this. And if you remember, I mean, Gene Lindsay used to talk about this a little bit, the second curve. And you're moving from this curve of coming out of the operation. I know you've been out of operations for a while and even out of consulting for a big company and now on your own. And you're moving to this second curve of influence with regards Mm. to where you're passionate about, finding your passion, how you get that message across even more, your keynote speeches, the consulting opportunities that you do, working with physician groups like you are, or hospital systems like you are, safety nets. I think it's so cool to hear how you continue to, again, give back's not the right word. You're not doing these things for free, and I'm not. that's not what I mean. So it's not just, hey, I'm giving my time away completely, mm-hmm. but it is identifying your area of passion identifying what you're still really strong in and saying, I still got something to say and people need to hear it. And I believe well, people yeah, need to hear keep, the message you got. Yeah. It's stimulating. It, it keeps me younger, you know, and you know, what else am I going to do? Right, yeah. Go play golf. No, yeah. Right. No. That's it. We talked about that. I don't need to be going to play golf and things like that. So, and let, let's talk about like you a little bit. So let's, let's turn this direction a little bit from, the specific with regards to the industry and position burnout. Let's just kind of talk about you a little bit. So what are you looking forward to the most in the future, personally or professionally? What's what's on your mind in terms of where you're going? Yeah, well, professionally, it's just this whole concept of helping share these, these ideas, helping people understand the potential that there are in doing this work and being someone that can be that resource for folks. I'm also, I just got off a call with an entrepreneur who's got a startup that's creating a really effective and more cost-efficient way to provide the resilient support to physicians. And while my focus is more on fixing the workplace, not necessarily enhancing resilience, we need that resilient support. So helping her, you know, who's been a solopreneur creating this company, connect to other people who can help her go further. How does she get funding? How does she get advisory services? Those sorts of things. You know, I'm finding that's kind of an interesting area that's opening up as well. So... So that's that's pretty nice, kind of cool. What about personally? You don't want to play golf, so what do you want to do? Are you a pickleball <laughs> guy? I mean, I just got just got back from a week of skiing. You know, I, I, oh yeah, you're still skiing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I practiced in Breckenridge, Colorado, for eight years. You know, as a family doc and ER doc, and 
I, and we love to go back there. So fortunately, the you know, we're, I, I had a friend recently said, yeah, you know, we're not we're not out there, you know, jumping off cornices and hitting the moguls real hard anymore. We're just basically doing the boomer rumors. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call them? <laughs> you know, they're groomed runs. Oh, the groomed and, runs. You know, okay. And the old people on them. So we're the boomer groomers. Boomer uh, groomers. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but even then, you know, a lot of ski areas now have, have nice runs that are up above tree line that are, are doable for even an, you know, an old guy like me. So, okay. um, but just being out there, being in that environment, that's really, it's really great. Well, good for you. Good for keeping your health and, and things like that going forward as a, a personal side so that you can do some of these things you want to do professionally as well. You got to keep yourself young to go forward, keep yourself active and keep that going. A couple of things, just kind of quick answers. Who or what's inspiring you right now? <laughs> I think the challenge that healthcare is experiencing is actually inspiring me. And then all of these, there are a lot of startups that are out there that are trying to do great, that need help. And so that that's really inspiring as well. And then people like yourself, you know, people who are, I don't do a podcast. I'm, for, I'm fortunate to be able to guest on them, but that takes a lot of work and helping and get that message out makes a huge difference for people. So I think all of those things really are inspiring. Is there a podcast you're listening to right now? You don't have to say Uncommon Leader if you're not listening to it, although you listen to your own, that, that, that you really that you really like oh, to listen course. to the listeners. You know, probably the one, oh gosh, there's In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt. He's always interesting. It's not all healthcare. It's just a lot of what's going on. He okay. does talk a lot about COVID. He's um, a former CMS director. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he and he yeah, he's been involved in a lot of different things in healthcare, but beyond healthcare as well. So, so he's kind of interesting. Let me think. There's a couple others that I'll tune. Oh, you know who's interesting? Jeffrey Pfeffer. Jeff Pfeffer is a graduate school of business professor at Stanford. And he, he's done a lot of work on focusing on how organizations that treat their people well actually succeed. And organizations that treat their people poorly actually do a lot of damage. Hmm. But his other line of work has been in how you implement, how you achieve and use your own power within an organization. And he's very utilitarian. He says, you know, you can use power for people shy away from using power or thinking about wanting to be powerful because it's got this negative connotation. Sure. But you can do good with power as well as not. And so understanding power to help yourself be more effective to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve is really cool. He wrote a book about it that came out about 10 years ago. He just came out with another book about it. I think it's called The Seven Rules of Power. And now he's got a podcast that's only like 20 minutes long, but he interviews someone who's either been in his course on power at Stanford or he's followed because they've achieved using those same principles have achieved a lot. And so they're very easy listens because they're like 15, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. usually fascinating people to listen to. And that's a so that's a nice one. If you're if you're really thinking about leadership and how you can use your leadership more effectively, and it's a little bit different perspective than you might normally hear from a humble servant leader. But it's definitely got the focus on leading and how to make sure you're being able to be effective so you can do that good work. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Last fun question. Then I'm going to go back to the pushpin. What's the last thing that you Googled? Oh, the very last thing I Googled was a, a venture capitalist who's a physician <clears throat> who I was trying to find his email so I could connect to one of these people doing startups to help him get funding. Okay. So you're, you're working on your inspiration. Okay. I was just curious. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm looking like I'd see you're working on your equipment and things like that in the podcast. And like, is there something 
that you've invested in the last six months, like less than a hundred bucks that, you know, that really has had a, a major difference in your life, anything like well, that? Well, I didn't Google it, but I did a dry January and I haven't, I'm still I'm moving into February. So I'm 32 days, 32 <laughs> days into the 47 day transformation being, being dry as well with regards to an exercise program that I'm doing. And yeah. I feel great. My resting heart rate's down about 12 beats a minute. Wow. Which is, you know, in and of itself, set the exercise to the side. I know it's going to have a long-term impact on me if I pay attention to that yeah. and really understand it further. I think yeah. there's some of that, frankly, there's some of that unstructured data in healthcare that we never get captured properly and all the stuff that's on this little watch that we do and could really learn from and be more yeah. valuable. That's another topic for another podcast as we go yeah. forward. So uh, I just, I just found I sleep better. You know, it's like, that, I, I realized like that's and it's you know to then making the decision every day. I'm going to wake up having slept better, <laughs> or spend the evening. Here's the choice. Having right? the other experience, there you and go. Right. it's uh, you know it's, so it's every day. It's just that balance, and it's like mm, I like to sleep. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Choose your pain. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Um, okay, so I'm going back to your push pin when you were talking about the you know, things you wish you would have known, so to speak. And it actually was the last question that I wanted to ask you today. And again, thanking you for your time. So the what's one piece of advice you would give to a new physician who's coming into the workplace today? Mm, I think I would perceive the concepts, actually, that we mentioned in Pfeffer's podcast, Pfeffer on Power, his book has got great advice for how you work with other people. And how you achieve your, your your potential in your organization, relationships you develop, how you work in that way, you know how you all of that, how you what you do to personally develop the relationship within your own behavior, within things that you do to connect and, and work with people. I think that's you know that that's really it's important to be constantly aware of the opportunity you have to make a difference and to build relationships that'll help you make that difference. And in the building the relationships, listening as much as speaking, listening probably twice as much as speaking, right? Two ears, one mouth. That's right. Um, to, to understand the organiz- you know, your organization, how you can work well with it, within it. Just like we need to listen to patients in order to understand what's wrong, you know, what their challenges are and what we, how we can best craft their treatment plan. Being aware, constantly listening and assessing the organization so you can best help do your work that's going to help improve that. Whether you, you know, remain doing the most valuable work there is as a frontline clinician exclusively throughout your career, because that is the most important work, or you end up, you know, in other levels of leadership and management. It's listening to be connect with the people around you and help people work together. Learn from that to identify what is motivating the people and the organization to do better. So love that. Hey, Paul, thanks again for your time. It's great to have you on for the third time. I look forward to number four and then number five so I can send you that robe. Actually, I think it's a great, I think it's a great idea for five-time guests on the podcast. I got to start looking into what that looks like for the future. Hey, you mentioned keynote speaking. You do some writing. You've got a blog. You mentioned being guests on podcasts. Look, anyone who wants to get in contact with you, what's the, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So my email is paul at pauldechantmd.com. So if you remember that, that's great. Or go to my website, pauldechantmd.com, and there's a contact button there, so you can use that. Those are probably the two easiest ways to find me. Just Google Paul DeChant, and you'll find me, and you'll find those contacts. That's my next Google. Perfect.
Hey, Paul, be well, okay? It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks again. Thank you, John. I appreciate these, every opportunity to talk with you. This is fantastic. Well, that's all for today's episode of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Please take just a minute to share this podcast with that someone you know that you thought of when you heard this episode. One of the most valuable things you can do is to rate the podcast and leave a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, or you can rate the podcast on Spotify or any other platform you listen. Did you know that many of the things that I discuss on the Uncommon Leader Podcast are subjects that I coach other leaders and organizations on? If you would be interested in having me discuss one-on-one or group coaching with you, or know someone who is looking to move from underperforming to uncommon in their business or life, I would love to chat with you. Click the link in the show notes to set up a free call to discuss how coaching might benefit you and your team. Until next time, go and grow champions.